Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, if you got your Bibles, let's open up to Exodus chapter 33. Woo! I want to apologize ahead of time to our media because God gave me a sermon during the worship. And so I'm going to go to scriptures that you know not of. <laughs> you know you don't have them. I didn't give them to you, so you're just going to have to go with me. This first part you've gotten, and after that, uh, we're just going to flow with wherever Jesus wants to go. Let's pray into that. Jesus, you know my heart is just to be with you. And I thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're faithful, so come abide. Holy Spirit, speak what you want to speak. I'm just a vessel for you, God that I be unnecessary, that you move without me, you move in spite of me, you, you just move, Lord. The people will see you, hear you, and encounter you so that you get all the praise. Thank you, Lord. Bring it to life in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 33, uh, verse 7. I started on this last week in the first service, but in the second service, uh, we didn't get to the actual prepared sermon. And uh, so we kind of just ministered the whole time. So this week we're going to jump into it and we're going to get into the unprepared sermon. Verse 7, <laughs> it says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses till he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, look what happened, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. That's pretty cool. And the Lord talked with Moses. That's even cooler. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle of the door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, Moses would. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Look in verse 7, it says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. We're talking about the camp, we're talking about the congestion of people, where all the people were. So for context, what Moses did is he built this tent, this tabernacle, and he put the tent up way outside of the camp, where everybody else is, the hustle and bustle, the distraction and all that, it's in the camp. So he put this separate tent out far from it, make note of that. It's something distant from everybody else, all the distractions, all the hubbub. I've got to have a place separate. Everybody say separate. You have to have a place separate, far from, away, outside. Jesus said this is also how he wants us to encounter him in our own life. He did this. He modeled this in Matthew 14, 23. said when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. So he was alone. He got alone with God. But notice what he called it. He, he pitched this tent far from the camp, and he called it something important. He called it the tabernacle of meeting. 
tabernacle of meeting. Now, the word tabernacle is a word used for a tent or a covering. But the definition of the word tabernacle in the Hebrew means a dwelling place or a habitation. A dwelling place or a habitation. So this place was called a dwelling place or habitation of meeting. A dwelling place or habitation of meeting. Meeting. The purpose of this structure was to be a dwelling place. That God wanted to abide there. Now, that was called a tent or a tabernacle of meeting. We too, fast forward for New Testament application, we are now have a tent. Our body is a tent. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So now we know we are a tent, and we are supposed to be set apart for him to have a dwelling place or a habitation in our life. The Bible also says, did you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, but you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God when your body and your spirit, which are God. So our body is a temple, a holy place, a dwelling place for God, just like that tent was in the Old Testament. So just like that was the place where God wanted to come and meet them, New Testament, this has become our tent where he wants to come and meet with us. That wherever you are, your tabernacle goeth. Right? So wherever you are, there's your tabernacle. You have a tent. You have a dwelling place for God that, well, I'm, I'm not, I can't get to the church. Well, you can get to your tabernacle. It's not a far trip. You don't have to go very far. It's right there, and he wants to abide and wants to meet with you. Ephesians 2 and verse 22 says, In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now, it's called a tabernacle of what? Tabernacle of meeting. Meeting. Now, this word in the Hebrew means a appointed place or appointed time that has a purpose designate, designated by an authority. So it's a dwelling place or a habitation of meeting or of a appointed time and place where the purpose is designated by an authority. So the purpose of this habitation or dwelling place gets to be delegated or designated rather by an authority. So the question is, who is the authority that gets to determine the purpose of the gathering? All of those answers. God and Jesus. Holy Spirit. God, the purpose of the tabernacle of meeting is that a person in authority is supposed to designate or yeah, designate the purpose of the gathering. So when God shows up, there is a purpose for him to be there and the authority should determine the purpose of the gathering. Tabernacle of meeting. So what I'm going to propose to you this morning is that God is speaking to me and challenging me as one who leads in a local church. What is the purpose of the gathering? What is the purpose of this tabernacle of meeting? Now, don't get nervous. I'm not changing the name of the church to the tabernacle of meeting. (laughs) But this is a place where we gather. Who gets to determine the purpose for why we gather? 
I think what I've found and what I'm realizing is that the church, the original church, God designed it for it to be a place for us to gather around God. And somewhere it developed into a place where we gather around people. That we decide whether we go to church or not based on whether we like the people or not. We gather, come up with scenarios where we have certain preferences and we want things to go the way we want them to go. And we, we want to come and, and we want to... We, we get comfortable. We, we like to control things. Can I say it that way? I know we wouldn't say that admittedly out loud, but how many has preferences? Don't raise your hand. How many have preferences when you come to church? Because people pick churches based on preferences, right? This church isn't picked by everybody for a number of reasons. Me being one of them, but it could be a number of reasons. But, right, so people are like, okay, we've got... Church became a structure and a system that's built around preferences of people more than preferences of God. Because we, we want to control things. And just imagine the creator of the universe, God, the creator of everything, and we want to tell him what to do, when to do, and how to do it. If it's truly a dwelling place and a habitation for God to come and dwell and he be the authority that determines the purpose of the gathering, how come in our gathering we want to determine the purpose? Because we want to sing songs, but we only want to sing certain songs. We want, we, we want to sing certain songs and and have a certain length to the song service. And, and I don't want to stand the whole time. See, so anyway, I can only stand for the third verse or something. We're going to address some religion for just a moment. <laughs> we, we, we want to do things a certain way. We, we want to, so we want to have a song. We want to sing some songs. We want some songs to make us feel good. And, and that's great. And not too long, though. And, you know, that's... That gets, surely, are we done singing yet? I mean, i got to sit down. That's good. And then we want a sermon, but we just don't want too long a sermon. And we don't want a song about just everything. There are certain things we want to hear a sermon about and certain things we don't want to hear sermons about. So can we kind of make this where it's something where we'll sing what we want to sing and, and you'll say what we want to say and then we'll be happy and we'll be out in time that we want to get out? This is what church became. It became about pleasing people, and we, I'll speak for myself and pastors, fell into the system. Sometimes, uh, I didn't want to say unconsciously, subconsciously, sometimes in unintentionally, sometimes intentionally because they want to be the man, and they want to create a dependency of the people on the person on the platform. Come to me. Pump my ego, make me feel like the man or the woman. It's not supposed to be about the person on the platform. It's supposed to be about the person, the presence of Jesus. But we create systems where we want these preferences. And so what we'll do as churches, we'll create preferences. And we'll put a man or woman up here that will make sure we get our preferences. And if they won't do what we want, our preferences, and if they won't make it the way we want it, then we'll just fire them and get rid of them. Or we'll go somewhere else till we find a man or a woman that will cater to our preferences and make sure I get the chicken while it's still hot. Yeah. 
Make sure I never get convicted or uncomfortable. Make sure nothing happens in the service that makes me feel weird. I like this when people start talking about they want God to move and they'll say things like, hey, we, we want God to do great things in our midst, but we're, we're, it's not going to be just relax. It's not going to be anything weird. What do you mean by weird? Who gets to define weird? Because you're weird and you're weird are two different things. And yes, I was pointing at you. <laughs> Everybody's got a different definition of weird. Some things happen, and part of the people are like, oh, I'm cool with that. I'm down. More of that, Chad. More of that. Some things happen. They're like, absolutely not. We're out, Gertrude. Grab the bags. <laughs> I don't know why I said Gertrude. Probably because nobody's name is that. If your name's Gertrude, I'm not. Sorry. Stay focused. But there's certain things that we get nervous about. But God's intention was never for the church to be about the people gathering around the people and their preferences. Just flip to your left, Exodus chapter 20. We're getting ready to go off the grid for just a second. Guide me, Holy Spirit. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 context for what's happening. The, the children of Israel are at Mount Sinai and God said, yo, uh, bring, the, bring the people to Mount Sinai. I'm going to come down and I'm going to meet with them. And uh, Moses, you come up. I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments. That's what he did there at the start of chapter 20. Gives them the Ten Commandments. It was awesome. God's presence there. But he doesn't want to stop there. He, he wants to meet with all the people too. And so verse 18. Now all the people, how many of the people? All the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. It was a church service. Look what happened at this church service. Thunderings, lightnings, sound of a trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they shouted and came forward. No. What happened? No, they, they, they've never seen anything like this before. They've never experienced that. They're, they come from places that say, we don't do that at our church. The Israelites said, hey, we, we, don't, we didn't do this at our previous church, Moses, so we're not going to do that here either. Am I getting too personal? I'm just exposing things that we've created a perspective of church that I don't think matches the expectation of heaven. I'm not criticizing anybody else. I'm dealing with myself. I'm asking the Lord right now, show me all learned religious behavior. I've been in church my whole life. Show me all the things that I've learned and I've thought this is the way it's supposed to be, this is what's supposed to happen, how it's supposed to look. What have I learned? And he's constantly reminding me of things and saying, Chad, that right there, that's just learned behavior. That's not me. That's tradition of man. You're going to have to get away from that. So I'm asking him. So I'm not adding any other church. I'm talking to our church. I can't help. I can't speak for what other churches are doing. I'm just telling you as a leader what we're doing, where we're going, and where I am. As a leader, what I'm communicating today is what I believe God's put on my heart to share with you. Then they said to Moses, so, oh, sorry, they saw the, the lightning flashes, the sound of trumpet, and the mountain smoking, and the people saw it. They trembled and stood afar off. They freaked out. Why did they freak out? Was it God? Yes or no? Yes. 
but they still freaked out. So can God freak us out? Thank you. Why are we walking away from it then? Because if it's something we're not comfortable with, if something we've never seen before, we're like, hey, easy, easy. Because we like predictability and comfort. God likes being God. We, we like to put him in a box, the creator of all of the stars in the sky, and we want him to do three songs, a good talk, and out for lunch. Why are we thinking that's God? People freaked out over this. People freak out here if people fall down. If someone starts shaking or jumping up and down, we're like, ooh, what's happening there? That's a little bit weird. What about if there was some smoke and lightning up in here? Oh, I know, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we, we say we would like it until it happens. I think I want it. Can I be just transparent for the rest of this message like this? I think I want this type of encounter, but part of me says I don't know. I think if we're honest... We've got to say, oh, Lord, come and show yourself. But this kind of God we don't know about. We've never seen this kind of presence. At least I haven't. I'll speak for myself. Not this kind of fear. I've had moments where God's walked into a room where I was, and I was on the floor because I was in such fear of the Lord. I just hit the floor. I didn't even want to look up. I've been that. But I'm talking about when you can actually see cloud coming, lightning flashes, sound of the trumpet, mountain smoking. The people started to back up and Moses said to them, or sorry, they said to Moses, verse 19, you speak with us, we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Church as we know it was born. This was not God's plan. God said, bring the people to me. I want to show myself to them. I want to speak with them. They saw God and said, I don't want that. So here's what we want. Moses, they started, oh, shit. They saw God. They looked up and saw thunder, lightning, smoke, cloud. And they said, oh, that freaks me out. Let me turn to something natural. Let me turn to something familiar and comfortable, like a man. And I said, Moses, you go talk to him. You talk to him. We'll listen to you, and whatever you tell us, we will do. Church was born. Put a man or woman on a platform, they go to God. We'll show up. You tell us what he said, and we'll do it. I'm not telling us to stop having church. I'm just telling what is the purpose of our church. Is it for the man or woman to stand up here and to tell you what God said? Or is it for us to create a dwelling place and a habitation where we all gather around his voice? What, what, if, what if there's more to church than just coming and sitting to someone tell you about him? But what if he would come? My, my prayer is that, that the cloud would come 
the people driving by on 45 would look and there would be a cloud over our building. That there'd be such conviction in their heart that it wouldn't be the excellence and eloquence of a person to speak, but there'd be such a presence that they'd be starting to weep before they even get past the grade school. And they're like, I need to turn around. I need to turn around. I need to come back. I need to go in there. I don't even know what's going on in there, but I'm feeling something. When they pull into the parking lot, tears begin to fill their eyes. They walk into the door and they begin to, they don't even make it to a chair. They fall down. Why? Because the presence of God. It's not about the personality of a person. Not in here to make people attached to me or draw people. Our vision is to connect people with Jesus from all roads of life, whether it's in Carlinville or Mount Carmel or here. It's to create presence of God that people will say, there is a God in our midst. But they said, no, nah, Moses, we don't want that. We just want you to talk to us. Moses said to the people in verse 20, do not fear for God has not come to, or, sorry, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So well, I'm confused. Which is it? Do not fear God or have his fear be before me? Which is it? Yes. It's both. It's both. To not be afraid of God, like run and hide and back up, but have his fear, the fear of God before us so that I honor him, I'm reverent in such a way that I walk away from sin for the fear and the respect and the honor of God. That there should be some reverential. What's happening in our culture is we have lost the fear of God. So it is getting more and more blatant what the enemy is doing. I was just watching uh, television the other day and this commercial that came on and I was like, oh my goodness. I said out loud, devil, you getting bold, ain't you? But we will be bolder. He's getting blatant. He doesn't care. Why? Because there's a, no fear of the Lord. That's old school. That's old religious stuff. No, no, no. It's, it's where we need to be. So then, verse 21, so the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. The people stood off in the presence of God. I'm praying, friends, for there to be such a presence of God in our services. Again, all three locations, wherever God wants to take us, I want the locations to not be based on the personality of a person, but on the presence of God that people just walk into the building and they say something's different. Before anyone speaks, before anyone says a word, before anyone sings a, a note, that it just be something about the presence of God, that people are just wanting to get saved. They're wanting to, to repent of sin. They're wanting to give their life to Jesus. They're getting healed when they pull into the parking lot. Why? Just because the presence of God. Remember, a dwelling place or a habitation. I want people to come. I want people to come to church, but I want this to be a dwelling place for God. I want him to want to be here and hang out with us. Because when he shows up, things change. Now let me, let me go. Where are we going to go? This is the part that's a little fussy because it's brand new. Thank you, Jesus. I've got a couple places in my mind. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Hmm. 2 Samuel 6. And I'll try and find the other one. Oh, there it is. Ooh. Yes, Jesus. Oh. 
hold your finger in 2 Samuel 6. And then put your other finger, if you have more than one, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. If you got a free one, that's what I mean by that. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Now let's, let's read out of 2 Chronicles chapter 5, I think. Is that the one we will go to first? Yeah, let's go this one first. Sorry, I'm just, we're, we're winging it right now. Okay, is this all right? I feel like, what do I feel like? Um, man, I just want to be really simple, right? My heart right now is, I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years, and uh, I've been through all the stuff of trying to grow the church and get people to come to the church and, and all that's, that's, I don't say it's all good. There's some good. But I'm in a place in my life, as God's speaking to me about some things that are coming on the earth and that's getting ready to come on the earth that he's going to ask me to teach about here coming up at some point. Uh, the church as it's currently constructed will not survive. It will not survive. Because the church is built too much on coming and getting something from this and then going out and not doing anything again until you come back for some more the next week. That won't make it. It won't make it. It's got to be something in you that's burning 24-7 because, oh, Jesus, for a later time. I'm just telling you, God's wanting to show the church that the bride, the church, the temple, this temple, he wants to inhabit you and dwell in you. And there's going to be persecution and tribulation that's going to come against you. And only what's in you is going to sustain you. But if I don't have anything in me, but I got to go get something pumped over me. See, this is, this is pumped over you, and just because you're in here and it comes over you and over your ears, it doesn't necessarily get in you. But when it gets in you, then it's something that becomes part of you, and it sustains you and helps you and grows you, and nothing can take it away from you. So coming in here to get it over you is great, but that's only part of it. It's got to come over, and then at some point, boom, I receive it, and it gets in me. That's what's going to sustain the church. Too many are satisfied with coming in and getting something over them and hearing a good sermon, and that's wonderful. I'm all pumped up about that. But if it doesn't get in you, why did they not endure? Why did the seed not endure when the heat came? Because they had no root in themselves. Where did I tell you? Second Chronicles 5? What verse did I tell you? Oh, I didn't. Okay. It's maybe because I didn't know. Um... Let's try, yeah, let's try 13. It says, indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting was filled with a, oh, it's filled with a cloud. What's on the inside of the cloud? Thunderings and lightning flashes, fire. Why was it a cloud? 
Because God was sheltering them from the fullness of his glory. He had to come into a cloud to protect them. Because they could not handle the fullness. This is why I'm saying, I want God to come in his glory. Maybe. I mean, I do, but I know when he comes, I'm not going to be ready for it. We can't be ready for that. I mean, we're ready for good songs and some goosebumps. But I'm not talking about that. I'm past that. I drove right past that. No blinker. I'm praying for something that's going to cause some people to say, I don't want that. It's going to happen. And I'm not criticizing them. Part of me is going to go, I don't know if I want that. But I think there's part of me that's going to say, I think I do, Lord. I think I do. I think I want a little bit, Lord. Just give me, stay in the cloud, stay in the cloud. But let me draw close into the thick darkness. That's what I was trying to say. Into the thick darkness. Moses went into the darkness because he didn't know what was on the inside of it. But he kept pursuing it. So look what happens. The cloud is filled with the cloud. So the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. What are we talking about? We ain't talking about fried chicken anymore. We ain't talking about. We ain't talking about. We're not talking about worrying about clocks. and. We, 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 we drove right past that. I'm, I'm having trouble talking because I just don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. Just When the glory of the Lord filled the temple, said so they could not even continue ministering. I closed it up, but I think I've got They could not even continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. What if the glory of the Lord, this is rhetorical. Uh, he can play for a long time. He's fine. <laughs> Just so you don't think I'm getting ready to shut down, because I am not. I am not, I'm not, I'm not. Here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. At 12.15, if you have kids, go get them. Right? God bless you, kids team. 12.15, so you set your own alarm. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. So, where was I? What was I saying? They were talking about the, uh, the glory of the Lord filled the temple and uh, they were not able to minister because the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Yeah, sorry, I got off track, John, but I'm, I'm going to reel it back in here. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so what if? Ask yourself this, this rhetorical question. Again, I've been in church all my life. Most of you have been in church. Some of you may not, but we live in the Midwest. Bible belts, right? Belt buckle. We got church down pat. We know church. You can throw a rock and hit seven churches. But I'm, I'm asking us. I, I, God is asking us, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to include myself in this and get off the platform. Would it help if we're down here and we're all looking for him and we're not looking for the person on the platform like they're the celebrity, they're the focus? What if we're all coming to church saying he is the focus? Would it, would it help somehow for a, maybe half the church turned that way and half turned this way and we just all look up and now we... Because what if the glory of the Lord comes like that? What do we do? I promise you, you're going to be challenged. I promise myself I'm going to be challenged. I'm going to be like, 
Jesus, I trust you. I don't know. That's weird. But if they couldn't even continue ministering, they're out. I'm not asking the Lord for sensationalism, emotionalism, or fake, any kind. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for genuine presence. But when genuine presence comes, get ready. Get ready. It's not going to fit in my cookie cutter box. Last place I want to go to, 2 Samuel. I told you to put your finger there, right? Yeah. Oh, come on, Holy Spirit. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Did I say 6? Did I? Was that right? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, this is it. Okay, look at verse. Are you guys okay? Okay, all right. Um, remember, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. If you didn't know that, now you do. So when we read the words Ark of God, think presence of God. All right? And David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the Ark of God whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherub. That's a mouthful, but I'm not going to dive into that deep right now because, yeah. Verse 3. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Everybody say new cart. Mm. In the Old Testament, the ark of the covenant contained the Ten Commandments, uh, Moses's or sorry, Aaron's rod that budded and uh, manna had this inside the Ark of the Covenant. And they were told by God how to carry the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was supposed to be carried on the shoulders, put a pole between these eyelets, and they put the, the Ark of the Covenant on the shoulders of the priests. And they were to walk with it and carry the weight of the Ark on their shoulders. This was the proper transportation of the presence of God. On the priests who were sanctified unto God, the weight on their shoulders, right? What did they do? In the name of modern day convenience, they put it on a new cart. Well, we're going to do church different now. We're going to put church on a new cart. And this new cart is going to attract more people because we're going to understand that people have busy schedules. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try and make services as short as we possibly can. We're only going to have them for an hour, maybe an hour and 10 minutes if we're really wild. And in those services, we'll make sure we're always uplifting, upbeat, and encouraging We'll sing a few songs, 22, 18 minutes. Then we'll have time of offering, and then we'll have a good, encouraging word, and then dismiss people so they can get on about their busy lives. Put it on a new cart. And it says... And brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah 
and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. So people were in charge of this new direction. They were driving this new method of transporting the presence of God. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, and tambourines. Cis- I start to say cisterns. <laughs> That's not cisterns. Cistrums and on cymbals. They got music. They got praise and worship. We got church on a new cart. We can always come up with our version that's more convenient for us, but is it convenient for God? So they've got praise and worship going. That looks good. It looks like and sounds like church. We're carrying the ark. We're all excited. Hey, we're taking the presence of God. It's going to be good. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. So they've got it on this cart. The oxen are pulling the cart and they're going on this hilly area and the oxen stumble as they're on the hill and the ark kind of shifted. So Uzzah reaches out to hold the ark, the presence of God. And when he does... Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error or his irreverence and he died there before the ark of God. That sounds a little harsh. When man tries to control and manipulate and limit the presence of God, it's never going to go well for us. They had come up with their own way of doing it on a cart pulled with oxen. God said, I want it on the shoulders of the priests and I want them walking. What if we've created methods for church that are convenient to us but not favorable to God? So obviously David was a little shook about Uzzah getting struck. So he's like, man, I don't even know what to do. I don't even want to move this thing. How, how can I move the ark of God? It's going to kill people. So it remained at the house of Obed-Edom. And man, his, his house flourished for three months. God blessing him, ark in his house. They told King David, hey, Obed-Edom's living large because the presence of God's at his house. And, and David said, I got to get me some of that. Let's go try it again. So now when they went, they brought up the ark of the God they brought it up in the traditional way with poles on the priests and they were carrying it. And it says, when those bearing the ark of the Lord, verse 13, had gone six paces that they sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the presence of God, the ark of the Lord, with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. What if we bring up the presence of God with shouting and the sound of the trumpet? What if we bring up the presence of God with dancing with all of our might? It came into the city, but here's what we gotta remember, not everybody's gonna be excited about your 
presence of God. And I understand this as, I'm, as I meditate these things and I'm asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want the church to look like? What do you want it to, what do you want it to function like? I realize the risk. I realize the risk. The risk is some people will be, I'm out. And I'm, I, I don't want that. I don't want people to be offended and be like, ooh, that place has gone crazy. I knew they were nuts. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It's wild. They're just crazy out there. Is it? But what if it's of God and it's just lightnings and thunderings that you've never seen before? What if God shows up and it's unfamiliar but still God? Do we embrace? Come on, remember. They saw something unfamiliar that was God and they chose the familiar which was man. Which one are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the unfamiliar even if it costs us some familiar? Or will we reject the unfamiliar and go back to the familiar and say, I'll go somewhere where they're not so crazy? What am I submitting to you? I, I, I don't really know. I really don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to be honest that I want more. I just want more. I believe the world needs more. I believe Gen Z is hungry for more. I believe they're hungry for something authentic. I believe they are so tired of going to places where they just sing some songs and have a good talk and nothing really ever happens. So they're checking out. They're like, I'm not down with that. Why would I want to go? They need to come where the glory of God, not the personality of a person, but the glory of God touches their life and they in fear say, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not about me dancing up here and trying to impress people with my ability to exegete the scriptures. That doesn't matter. It's about is the glory abiding in here? That's what matters. That's what's going to change our world. That's what's going to stop people on the road. That's what's going to bring people. I'm not worried. Say it the right way, Lord. Help me. Pardon me. Pardon me. I'm a, I'm a people person. I really am. So submitted to God rightly, I consider what people think as I'm presenting what he tells me. Submitted wrongly, I consider what the people think before I speak what he tells me. Do you understand the difference? I want to be considerate of people, but I don't want to be submitted to people. I want everyone to hunger for more of God. Because I don't even know what it looks like. So I'm not saying like I've arrived and you guys come up to my level. No, no, I'm, I'm trying to do something. I'm wanting to get down there. I'm wanting to, I'm really uncomfortable right now because I don't even know how to explain it. But I'm just saying, God, I'm not satisfied. And I think you want to come and have a dwelling place and a habitation of meeting. And I don't know how to host it. I don't know how to make it, but I want it. I want it. I want him to. I want him to talk to us face to face like a friend. I'm tired of long distance relationships with God for all of us. I don't want anybody coming saying, Chad, you go hear from God and I'll come back every Sunday and you tell me what he said. No. 
I don't want that for you. I want you to go into your own closet and shut the door and say, Jesus, let's talk. I want you to approach the thunderings and the lightnings and, and, the, and the crazy and go, Lord, I'm not sure, but I, but I want more of you, so I'm going to go. I don't know how it plays out. I feel like I have a lot of questions and very few answers. But I'm just trying to communicate my heart to this church that I believe where God's taking us is to be a place where people can come and meet him. And that comes with a price. It doesn't come with casual. It, it comes with why do we pray every single day? If you're not coming to one of our prayer meetings in Mount Carmel, uh, Monday night, 6 o'clock, Saturday night, 6 o'clock, every day from 8 to 9, here uh, in North City, the same, Carlinville, Saturday night, they're praying. Uh, what are we praying for? We're praying for the glory of God. And that's, I know, I realize that's extra for some because they're just really wanting a good church service. I, do, I just don't want that anymore. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to anybody. I, ju I just don't want a good church service. I'm, I want something that is bigger than me. It's bigger than man's ability to, to grow a crowd. I want something that the cloud comes and it freaks me out a little bit. But there's something in me that says, oh, I want to draw close to him. The mystery of who he is, the creator of the universe. What if he would show up right there in Mount Carmel, in Carlinville, in North City? What if it's truly the glory of God comes in a room and all of us are laid out on the floor? I know we say that's cool until it happens. And 20% of the room looks around and goes, it's a bunch of freaks. Whatever we're saying. But what if... We prayed for that. Does that appeal? Don't answer this rhetorical question. Does that appeal to you? To have a presence of God that goes beyond theories and cool talks? Does that appeal to anybody in your heart? That the God of the tabernacle of meeting is not the God of the modern day church. He wants more than that. He, he wants to talk to all of us and he wants to come and abide. And I don't even know what that means. I don't, it doesn't mean we're going to be late every time. I have no idea. You're like, okay, so how many things are going to change? I don't know. You're making me uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. But I'm, I'm just unsatisfied. even know what it forgive me when I look at what the Lord's asked me to do and we have people sitting there right there in Mount Carmel have people three hours away in Carlinville I'm like Lord what, where do you want me to take them it's definitely not to, hey, my ability to preach. It's not that. He's wanting me to take us all to him. Is there a hunger in your heart for more? Is there, is there a hunger in your heart for more than just churchianity and religion? Is that box 
not feeling it enough for you yet that you're like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I want the living God. He wanted to come and abide with us. And we're satisfied to just gather and talk about him. And God's crying out saying, I want you more than you want me. And again, I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm not like, I'm just wanting it. I'm not an expert that's telling you how we're going to do it. I'm just communicating the desire and saying, will you join me in the pursuit? Some of you are like, I don't know. Pray about it. But I just want to be upfront. I want to be honest. My heart is saying, I want more of him. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what would change. I don't know if anything would change. I, I don't know, but I just, something's got to change. Because there's more. More. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.